0: Of course, we have the greatest football game ever because it's wow. Dolphins and 49ers this week. So wow. how about that? History. Lot of you know history. what? I really feel like Dan Marino and Joe Montana should have a fist fight just wow. for, just, just to get it going. What? Yep. You're been aggressive this week. Right? <laughs> you, <laughs> like, you know what? You just Demo Samuel started it, dude. Not me. I don't think so. Not me. Yeah. So I want Joe Montana yeah. and Dan Marino meeting at midfield, what? throwing fisticuffs. <laughs> throwing fists, huh? All right. What's going on? See if we can pull some string. What's wrong? That's what Leroy walks into. Um, Would you prefer uh, Jerry Rice and OJ McDuffie? What? <laughs> Let's go out to the uh, Toyota of Hollywood guest line. Shop over 1,500 toys indoors in one of America's largest showrooms at Toyota of Hollywood on 441 between Hollywood and Sheridan. Our guy, Seth Levitt, he is the co host of the Fish Tank podcast with OJ McDuffie. And of course, you can hear him on post game action with Travis Wingfield along with Juice. They do a great job. Seth Levitt, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. Uh, I think Leroy's going to walk off the show today, to be honest with you. <laughs> Why is that? what I miss? Uh, he, he First of all, he thinks I'm reading way too much into this beef with Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert, which I'm not. Okay, I agree. Uh, you are. I'm not.
1: Dude, they don't play against one another. You can talk as much trash as you want.
0: The spice has started, dude. Trust me. That's like a heavyweight
1: <laughs> talking trash <laughs> to a light heavyweight or a middleweight. No. Like, you're not going to fight them.
0: But there Who is cares? going to be fighting. There is going to be team fighting. No, there's not. So, the, so the fuse has no, been lit. Not.
1: No, there's not.
0: <laughs> it has been lit. <laughs> that's not trash talk. I agree that I'm I, telling you, dude.
1: That's not trash. Then talk.
0: Then why are the 49ers being so sensitive? What do you mean? Raheem, like Raheem Mostert, didn't mean any dig at Jimmy Garoppolo, but Debo took it as a slight. Still got to defend your guy. Yeah, you, 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 but you, nobody's. You're like, talking about two different things.
1: No, no, I'm saying if you think it's a dig on your quarterback. You gotta defend your guy, but at the same time, when you lose, use lyrics and 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 all. You ain't really talking trash.
0: That's how it's done these you days, ain't dude. Talking
1: tra- okay, here, let me explain something to you. Me talking trash to the other team's running back does nothing. If, if I want to talk trash, I'm gonna talk trash to somebody. I gotta let me talk trash about one of the linebackers.
0: Okay, but here's the thing. Debo is upset because he feels his quarterback was slighted. It's all offense because so got- the conversation, the root of the conversation started with Raheem Mostert telling this uh, this 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 uh, journalist that I believe because we have a quarterback who can sling it, we're going to be scary good.
1: Why are you treating us like the Hassan Whiteside situation? We got oh. shooters. That's what he's doing. So it's an <laughs> offensive
2: beef. You don't think there's beef here, Seth? I, I kind of wanted to let you guys just handle this one. Uh, to me, it's like it, I, I don't even see where the issue is. I, Thank you. seems like nonsense.
1: Hey, this is what I do every day. Every day he goes, ooh, look <laughs> what I found on Twitter. I don't know if it's real or not. People like trash talk.
0: Why are you that's acting not like trash talk? It is, dude. It is. <laughs> I'm he's telling you. People. That's if he's not ta- trash talk. If Debo Samuel he's, is telling Raheem. Mo- his people? If, exactly. if Raheem <laughs> Mostert is being told by Debo Samuel, be serious. That's trash talk. Being serious cannot be. It's considered true, trash dude, talk. it is that, the yeah. This
1: is what I do every day, Seth.
0: Raheem, be real with yourself. Be real. He's, totally real be real. And he's be real. crying
1: laughing. But that's a sarcastic thinks, laugh.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a laughing no, at him. They're not sarcastic. laughing with him. They're laughing at I'm him. Sorry.
1: If I need oh, like God. trash talk, a uh, uh, translation, then I I don't need to be in the trash talking game. Especially two people that don't fight. You ain't fighting nobody. And you talk about what is beef and what is a beef. I know. That's dude. how they do it now. That's you not even fighting. You know who I want like, to be not the even arbiter. Be hit, right? you, you know who I want to be in there and stick Seth, a guy. This is who I want to be the arbiter. What's trash talk and what's not.
2: Oh boy. Brian
1: Cox. Because well, if go. it is trash talk, <laughs> he's gonna give you a two-piece of soda before he responds. So Fair then enough. we know.
0: Uh give me though, Seth, your excitement level for this game. I mean, these, uh, these these are two of the best teams in the league going into this one feels like one of the feature games of the week obviously there are a lot of storylines in it because the head coach came from this franchise um so like where, where is your excitement level going into this week
2: Yeah, is it going to be a little bit like that Spider-Man meme where all the Spider-Men are pointing at each other? Is it going to be one of those deals? I mean, look, so so there are some underlying interesting elements, and apparently uh, there's another one I didn't even realize was that interesting. But um, it's exciting because, as you said, it's good football and it's relevant football. I, I love what Coach McDaniel said. There's nothing better than meaningful football in December and January. And it's been a long, well, you know, I shouldn't say that. The Dolphins have had meaningful games, but it's kind of like must win games this time of the year. Like, if you, and not only must you win, but you're waiting for other teams to lose and you're doing all that. You're going into this thing eight and three on top of the division and you're going to play a really good football team. So it's an opportunity to truly see where you're at as an organization. You know, you've got two good. You, at, shoot, three games in a row against good football teams, two of which are teams that you're competing with to, to have that playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, what's more exciting than that is playing games that mean a whole lot and having a chance to be a part of this thing.
0: How nervous are you if nope. they are not able to have Teron Armstead this week?
2: Uh, I, I mean, look, not having Teron Armstead, I think, is a big deal for sure. Uh, you know, we've seen how important... Uh, it, you saw what happened when Tua wasn't playing, right? I mean, there's, it was very clear. Tua, when Tua plays and he finishes the game, whether it's a, a, a you know when he walks when, off that field when he on his chooses own, to
0: end the game,
2: correct when he chooses to end the game, there ain't no uh, and and zero three when he doesn't, and there's a lot of factors, but you know certainly can look at that, and I think you know you have to say look at the offensive line play when Teron Armstead's in, and we all understand the importance of having a really good left tackle, and he is really good, so yeah, I mean you know that's tough, but. That's the sport that these guys are playing. And there's no way in the world that when you look on paper at your roster at the beginning of the season, you can just expect that you're going to have that same group when you start playing games in December and hopefully in January. It's just not the way this sport works, unfortunately. And these things happen, and they've got to figure out a way to work around it.
1: Seth, it's crazy to me that Armstead makes this much of a difference. I'm not – and I'm I'm not – you know, doing it to slight him. Yeah, But he's made this much of an impact with how that whole offensive line does. That is pretty amazing to me, right? And and how he plays. Now, I will say this. They've struggled because it's not just him, right? Mm -hmm. They've always had like two or three offensive linemen hurt at the same time. And then they start playing guys a little bit outside of their element. I think they can cover for one guy, but now you got Austin Jackson also, and now you're going a little bit too far down that, you know, list to where that's what's going to be the issue.
2: Yeah, it, it's an interesting point, Leroy, because in theory, if the left tackle's out, that shouldn't affect your right guard, right? Ta- right? You know, in theory, I mean, I imagine there might be certain things schematically, but right. you know, that that you shouldn't just the whole thing shouldn't fall apart. Um, it was, again, it was interesting to hear, well, both Tua and Mike McDaniel took blame for all of the sacks, which I thought, hey, great leadership. They took all the they blame for do. putting guys <laughs> in bad positions. But the truth of the matter is is that, you know, the last four get prior to the game against the Texans, you know, you had, Brand- you had Shell on the right side, right? And then he, you know, he wasn't even in the starting lineup. So Jackson's coming back. It's his first time playing in 10 weeks. And then, you know, you, you lose Armstead. Shell comes in on the other side. And so, uh, they they there was a lot of rust i thought across the board and the offensive line unfortunately that's that, that was uh, i think they were most impacted there well which the offensive as a whole was um i'm with you though it's like wow one guy and especially one guy all the way at the end you know that's an important right. piece like if you lost your center i could see where that impacts both sides of the line and and so so that was surprising but i'd like to believe i hope that with a week's worth of practice and knowing what to expect going into it, that they can figure out ways to try and mitigate some of that loss. You're not going to be able to replace the guy because you don't have a talent like him mm-hmm. to just plug in there, but hopefully they can find other ways to still be productive. When you got it, any time, and here's, here's a
1: good rule of thumb, Anytime you have to switch sides with a player, they're going to struggle a little bit. Yeah, because it's I mean, just a mat. it's the almost equivalent to you all of a sudden having the right left handed for the rest of the day.
2: Yeah, I mean, only Tua can pull that off, right? A right handed guy, you stick the ball in his left hand. And next thing you know, he's leading the league in all quarterback categories. So he's strange, the only
0: guy who can pull it off. It's such a strange thing that his father wanted him to be a left handed <laughs> quarterback. You know what? It, it's the
1: decision at this point. Phil Mickelson <laughs> is the same way. It's so Phil Mickelson is right-handed. He golf's left-handed, which is unheard okay.
0: of. It's it, it's it's such a it's such a like I kind of get like if you're you know raising a kid like I've said uh, when my kid was like Yeah, hit lefty everybody loves a lefty hitter or
2: pitch lefty
0: or right pitch lefty yeah like pitch, but, but like being a lefty quarterback right. is such an odd thing especially if he uh-huh. is naturally right-handed what a what a strange thing for his father to well know, he was I don't know you know it's working. Yeah, it's working. Hey, listen, whatever 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 Papa Tua you know has, has got going for him, it's it seems okay. Let me bring you into another debate that we had earlier today. Oh, all right. How Wait a second. Has this become the debate or do you guys just do this all day long or only do you wait for me to get here? It, it just it, we don't know. Sometimes the days it just stumbles we you know we haven't been in studio be... together in a while. I was on right. vacation, he was in Cleveland yesterday. But when it was early in the game it was, they were up 10 nothing. Uh-huh. Fourth and 10. We finally get to see Thomas Morstead. Yeah. I understand the decision. It's conventional. You know, you're midfield. You let your punter punt. But would you have been surprised if Mike McDaniel would have gone for it on fourth and 10? Because I feel like yes. this offense, they can get 10 yards whenever they want now. That's, no. that's seemingly every throw is over the middle for a first down.
2: When you need 10 yards or you're turning the ball over, it's different, right? It's hard, right, Leroy? It's harder to get 10 yards when everybody in the building knows you need 10 yards. When it's first and 10 and you can accept three or four yards or 40 yards, then getting to. (laughs) Oh my God, these comments crack me up. I'm sorry. (laughs) Look, I'm telling you. I will be surprised.
1: Here's the problem. He says, oh, well, they're moving the ball and you know that team can't score. That's why you pin them back. You right. don't want to play.
0: You don't want to play a field position game with a team that can't score. It Obviously, worked out marvelous because Von Ginkel got an interception like the next play. I get you, but I'm just saying, Mike McDaniel. No, don't the, just say.
1: You always just say, and this and, is why and, we get and an and arguments.
2: So I don't understand. Well, like, why is there a debate if it worked? Over like you punt the ball. It was you just my back, feeling. You it was force a turnover. You get the ball in the two yard line. And you it, score. it wasn't like, so.
0: Mu- yeah, it, it wasn't so much a field position. It wasn't so much a disagreement. It was just in that moment I'm watching the Dolphins. They were humming that entire drive. And then all of a sudden, ah, three incompletions, a little drop here and there. But I'm thinking to myself, this Texan team stinks. They could get 10 yards whenever they want to. So if Mike McDaniel decided on that fourth down, fourth and 10, I'm going to go for it. I wouldn't have been mad at him. You would be fired by (laughs) midseason.
1: Like, I go through this every week when, hey – during the game, hey, why didn't he do this? Like, no, it's,
2: it's very Madden, like circa yes. uh, two thousand. He doesn't or, even play Madden, though. No.
0: But this is the most <laughs> explosive football I've ever seen. It's amazing, and I feel like they've. I feel like they feel they could do that whenever they want. Yeah, but it's
2: still got to be rooted in some sort of like you know strategy and common sense. No, like you know, otherwise See, you start to lose now, a little now, bit. Hey, of the, you know, have people have their
1: wheelhouse. Yeah. When you said strategy and common sense, <laughs> he just fell it. off. He just fell off. <laughs> he is no longer No. He has no common sense. He doesn't think like that. No. Right? Like we had Tyreek Hill. You know what he was saying? Now we can get Debo Samuel. That's what he does. Okay. It, it's never enough. <laughs>
0: don't, never don't uh, oh, what's yeah. that? What do you got coming up on the fish tank? Five followers week, are
2: too man. good. Well, today uh, n- nothing as <laughs> good as this. But um, so Brendan Ayamadejo, I don't know if you remember Brendan. He, I played he, with uh, his brother here. He did. You did. You played with Obafemi. Yes. Yeah. 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 So what's cool is so did he. So his he this guy took four years. He was an all uh, Pac-10 in, in college. Doesn't get drafted. Took four years to get to the NFL. Listen to his journey. This guy went on. Two teams in the NFL he got cut by. He goes to Canada, plays for two different teams. He goes to the LA Express in the XFL, goes to Amsterdam for the NFL Europe, goes back to Canada, and finally four years later gets a chance to land on the Miami Dolphins roster, and his brother, Obafemi, is on the roster as well. Spent two years here, and the guy spends 10 years in the league. He's pro bowler three times. He's all pro. He's two Super Bowls and the whole thing. Really interesting guy. Also is a, a, a huge advocate for um, LGBTQ community. He, you know, he, he was on the front lines of uh, fighting for same-sex marriage as a straight NFL player. So that, in and of itself, was unique and ahead of its time. So really, an interesting dude. And I think most people who are Dolphins fans will remember him for that Monday Night Football interception of Tom Brady. The Dolphins are two and eleven. And I think the Patriots are 12-1, and one, come down here. We got the orange jerseys on. There's no way we can beat the Patriots, a defending Super Bowl champs. And he gets an interception with two minutes left in the game to put the Dolphins in position to go ahead. So
0: great moment li- uh, reliving that with him. A lot of fun and, uh, yeah, a great listen. Check it on out. The Fish Tank Podcast. Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie do a fantastic job with that for Dalton Fans Weekly. And you guys also do a great job with Travis Wingfield on the post-game show. You got a big one coming up this week, Seth. We appreciate you having fun with us. And we'll do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, looking uh,
2: forward to it. You know what? Can I ask? Do, uh, do we have time? Can I ask Louis? Am I messing up format here? No, no, no. You so go as, as
0: much as you want. Uh, format.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're going for it on fourth and ten in midfield. What am I talking about? <laughs> 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 So one of the things that that uh, Brendan talked about was, you know, he was a I guess you would consider a smaller linebacker. I mean, the guys put together, but he was on the smaller, quicker side. Mm-hmm. And he said that at that point in time, you know, part of the reason it took him so long to get into the league is that the game was – this game was more the Leroy Horde game. It was yes. the three yards in a cloud of dust. Yes. And you needed those 250-pound linebackers that just wanted to shoot the a cap and, and and smash heads. And he said, in today's game, I you know, I could have had a chance to start because it's all mm-hmm. about the smaller, quicker, faster guys. I thought that was fascinating. It is. It's all about covering tight ends now and
1: and having range in the secondary and being able to get depth. Uh Think of it at Tampa 2. The Tampa 2 means nothing if you don't have – uh, linebackers that can get deep. But guess what? How about this? I played against a linebacker. His name was Levon Kirkland. <laughs> he played in Minnesota. I mean played in uh Pittsburgh, sorry. Pittsburgh. And he was listed at 6'2, 290 pounds. Holy crap. That's, That's what he was listed as. And I he ran a, I ran I ran a pattern up the seam and I looked to my left and I had basically a nose tackle running with me. That's where football has changed. Right now, that guy he's would safe. be a small safety.
0: He looks like right the, scariest, the scariest thing I've ever seen on the football it's
1: un, Just to see him roaming, to see that guy roaming the secondary. <laughs> it's what was terrifying. I mean, what yeah. you think of Pepper Johnson? You think right. of, like, no, the, the league was, you know, different. Even the safeties were 230.
2: Yeah, I mean, Steve Atwater, Lewis Oliver, right. Oliver I mean, those guys are beasts. Right. Joey Browner.
0: Yeah. I'd say yeah. that was one of the things I actually liked about this past weekend. I felt like there were a lot of big hits from the Dolphins. I don't feel like you they get to see that lot anymore. Like, between you don't... Baker and I mean, what Duke Riley did to Damn uh, Burkett, like, flipped him over right. his head. Uh, the Eric Rowe uh, knocking the ball loose. Like, I, I yeah. loved seeing how they the were Dolphins are flying with the it. football.
1: I think you need that for this from this perspective. You need to be able to. Control the middle of the field, and the only way you can do it with a receiver, is to knock his ass out when he comes across the middle, and then he won't catch any more balls. and And I think that we wore that as a badge of honor when we played, is that we could go in the middle of the field, catch the ball, take the hit, and still hold it. That right. separated you from a lot of guys. Now there's nobody that does it. Because you can't. Well, get and you can't,
2: the rules the rules work against you for trying to do that, right. right? You know, so you really have to find the right opportunity to do that. OJ talks about all the time. These guys can make these acrobatic catches because they, they're not afraid of getting their head taken off. Yep, pretty much.
0: Sadly, we yeah. appreciate we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate you guys. Take care. All right, all right we'll you go you.
2: for it, man. You go for it, Tobin. On 4-10. always, you go <laughs>
0: always. All right, we'll take a quick right. break. Back with more after this. You did not do the research.